Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Cinema Soft Underbelly, your one-stop shop for all things horror, science fiction, fantasy, gems in the rough, little scene movies, and movies that should be discovered. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver, and today I'm coming to you from Florida, and uh, I'm going to be talking about just several movies that I've watched over the past uh, past week, any more uh, I've covered so much on on my show about the different studios, and I'm still going to be talking about that uh, from time to time, but I, I'm going to also focus quite a bit on recently watched movies, uh, just because on the other show that I co-host, Movie Freaks, we talk uh, about a lot of movies that we've recently watched, but there are some that fall through the cracks, and I want to make sure that those get discussed uh, and at least, um, uh, at least mentioned and a thumbs up or thumbs down too. So um, that's what I'm going to be doing today is just giving a couple updates on some recently watched movies, some of which are online streaming and then some of which are on DVD. And I don't, okay, there's a couple Blu-rays in here too. If I can get to them, we shall see. So uh, first one that I want to get checked off the list is $5 for an August moon. And this is another Mario Bava movie. Yay. Uh, I continue to watch his entire filmography. Uh, eventually, I would like to watch all of his stuff, even even the non-horror-related stuff. Uh, um, but he's got a lot of movies, a lot. And I have seen several that weren't so good. And then, uh, you know, then a couple, well, most, most of which are gems. So today, $5 for an August moon. Is it a gem? No, it is certainly not a gem. Um, is it watchable? Yeah, mildly. Um, it's, uh, it was made in 1970. This is before he really had a, well, he had a, a couple hits already at that point. But supposedly this one here, um, it just, it, there, it felt like a Mario Bava movie, but it felt like a, um, a low rent Mario Bava movie, almost an imitation. It was shot in only 19 days, and um, uh, it's pretty much the Ten Little Indians, the Agatha Christie Ten Little Indians type story of someone's knocking off uh, people one by one, and you got to figure out who it is. And uh, what makes Mario Bava movies so good is the great atmosphere and the score. And the uh, surprising violence here and there. Well, he jettisoned all of that, uh, at least the violence, for this movie. So you just see the aftermath. And it just, everything feels a little bit like uh, just a wannabe Mario Bava movie. It was worth watching one time if you're a big horror fan, especially a Euro horror fan. But um, for all others, I I wouldn't... uh, I wouldn't venture too far out of the way to see the movie. It is streaming on Netflix. That's where I watched it. The transfer was mediocre. Uh, and sometimes that, that helps a movie if, if the transfer is really good. It sometimes can make a not-so-good movie a little bit better. And so that certainly didn't help that I was watching, a, obviously, a, a very old um, VHS. or Not VHS, but DVD transfer at best. So... 
anyway, but yeah, in the storyline, uh, this group of Italians on an island with someone killing them off uh, revolves around a, a medical uh, breakthrough that, that someone's got developed and they this person's not giving it out and so everybody's wanting it and so people are starting to die. It's whatever. So anyway... That's five dollars for an August moon, and also a lot of the women in the movie look very similar with their hairstyles, and so you don't really know who's who for most of the time. And the movie is only seventy-eight minutes long, uh, but and it sounds like I'm trashing, but it was watchable. It was watchable, but uh, don't go out of your way to watch it. Anyway, moving on. Uh, unfortunately, I've got another one that this one even is even worse than uh, the previous one. And that's unfortunate. So there's a couple duds before I get to some really good stuff. And the next one is another Netflix movie. They just have a hard time finding really, really good movies. Uh, at least in the horror department, from in my opinion. There's way too much new stuff that isn't good and not enough old stuff that's awesome and remastered. There is thousands and thousands and thousands of movies out there that that these studios own that I wish would get uh, some sort of remaster job and put up on a Netflix. Uh, so anyway, Preservation, 2014, directed by Christopher Denham. Now, Christopher Denham, uh, once I did a little research, I'm like, oh, okay, nice. So he also directed Home Movie from 2008, which is a found footage movie of two horrible little evil children that uh, that are tormenting their parents. And it was creepy, and it was really, really well made. Um, so my expectations rose a bit. Uh, he also is, the director's also, he's an actor, um, been in uh, quite a bit, actually. He was in Shutter Island. Uh, he was uh, in Argo, The Bay. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, he was, he's been in some good stuff. So... Um, and I actually kind of recognize him from his from his profile picture on IMDb. Preservation, 2014. An anesthesiologist must awaken her animal instincts when she, her husband, and her brother-in-law become the quarry of unseen hunters who want to turn them into their trophies. So this is another one of those. Um, oh, it's similar to that Ice Tea movie. Uh, I don't even remember what it's called, but. There are these people that are they're like hunters and they're trying to hunt him down in the woods. There was a Spanish movie, uh, King of the Hill, I believe is what it was called, that had almost the exact same storyline. That there's a couple people that are in the woods that are being stalked by uh, unknown assailants with guns. And uh, it's, this here, and here's a little bit of spoiler coming your way, but uh, they're, they're kids like, 12 or 13 year old kids and I think three of them and uh, it's supposed to be a social commentary on the video game era and you know we cut to them playing you know while they're taking breaks from hunting these people they're playing on their iPhones and their video games and whatever and texting each other instead of talking they text each other so they're all sitting in a row texting each other because it's a social commentary you see so anyway uh, on and on it slugs um the the characters are none of them are remotely believable except for the uh, main female actress, uh, Ren Schmidt is her name. Um, 
and she was the best of a bad lot. The kids, like the killers in the movie, were meh, uh, and the, the the two guys that she was with were one step up from completely useless as actors in this movie, at least. So, um, so anyway, if you're in the mood for a movie about three relatively poor actors running around the woods for uh, 90 minutes while little brats chase after them and do things, everybody does things that normally wouldn't be done. Uh, The good aspects of the movie are the location shots are very, very, very good. I liked that. I could appreciate that. There is a couple of violent, gory scenes in it. If you're in, if you're into that, there you go. Is it worth sitting ninety minutes through that for that for a little bit of this and that? No. Uh, anticlimactic ending. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm running out of things to say about this movie because it was so mediocre. It wasn't even mediocre. I didn't like it. Uh, so anyway, it's unfortunate because I really, really dug home movie. I thought that was well made, scary, creepy, uh, and then this just seems um, forced. The, the acting seems forced, and you've seen it all before. This has all been done before in better movies. So anyway, uh, that's that one. Skip it. Not worth it. I did. Re- Here's my Blu-rays. I did rewatch Leviathan. Yet again, and I've talked about Leviathan on this show, and I have talked about Leviathan on Movie Freaks. I think that this is one of, if not the best, alien ripoff, and that is exactly what this is, is an alien ripoff. Um, that doesn't mean it's not good. It's basically you take Alien and The Thing and put it underwater, and that is literally this movie. Um, George P. Cosmatos directed it, and he's he passed away a while ago, but he's got a... Uh, some good movies in there. Um, Tombstone, Cobra, uh, First Blood Part 2, Of Unknown Origin was a decent movie. Um, so, anyway, uh, he's done some good stuff. But anyway, the, the movie itself... Uh, uh, and, by the way, the behind-the-scenes stuff from Scream Factory is fantastic. They really focus on... Uh, there's two actors. Ernie Hudson is one of them, which he's, he's one of the Ghostbusters. And um, Michael Carmine, no, no, not Michael Carmine, uh, Hector Il- Elizondo, I think he is how you pronounce it. He's, he, he was really good in the movie. Um, there's interviews with them, and then there's also interviews with the special effects artists, which Stan, Winston, Stan Winston's effects crew worked on this movie, and it was really, 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 really strenuous and all the things that they had to do and Stan Winston on the set and it was very interesting 45 minutes of them talking about the special effects in the movie which are very good uh, and just how some of this movie was very problematic also didn't help that they were competing against this was the year that James Cameron's The Abyss came out and Sean Cunningham's Deep Star 6 came out and all three are really good movies I've actually grown to quite enjoy Deep Star 6 uh, I didn't used to like it that much, but I've come around on it some. But Leviathan is a really good movie. It doesn't reinvent anything because it really truly is a alien in the thing. Uh, underwater deep sea miners encounter a Soviet wreck and bring back a dangerous cargo to their base on the ocean floor with horrifying results. 
Uh, the crew of the mining base must fight to survive against a genetic mutation that hunts them down one by one. And there you go. That's the plot. Good acting. Uh, across the board, pretty much, in my opinion. They all, they all uh, do quite well. Peter Weller is in it, and Peter Weller is great. Richard uh, Crenna is in this. He was in the uh, Rambo movies. Amanda Pays is in it. Daniel Stern from, you know, Daniel Stern from Home Alone and uh, numerous other movies. Um, so yeah, uh, a, a nice long, nice long list of uh, credentials. So anyway, I was pretty impressed with uh, with the cast, with the directing. The special effects were good for what they were, and I remember the first time I watched this movie way, way, way back in the VHS days. Uh, I was a, a bit let down, but back then, VHS quality, in my opinion, was so poor that lots of times, if it's a relatively dark movie, it's hard to see anything that's going on. And that is the case in this movie. I remember lots of the special effects that when I watched it on the Blu-ray now, I'm like, oh, wow, man, you can really see the creature here, and you can really see this and this. Well, back then, a lot of that was left, I don't want to say to the imagination, but it was just so murky and dark and hazy that you could barely see what was going on. And Leviathan does not show the creature that much. So you really have to, uh, I mean, it's kind of, kind of almost in quick cuts. And from the behind the scenes dialogue back and forth, it just, it didn't seem like uh, anybody really, really was enamored with the creature. But I thought it worked pretty good for what it was. The, spa- the, uh, the underwater suits were great in the movie. Uh, it, it, they were, they kind of reminded me of Alien, of the... Uh, the suits in Alien. So, um, anyway, but the effects were good, especially for the amount of time that they had to work on that movie and that they were going up against uh, two other underwater movies. It's just unfortunate that it didn't really catch on, and it didn't. But the more I watch it, the more I like it, and I think that you guys should give it a chance. This gets a big thumbs up from me. The Blu-ray transfer is great, and like I said, the special features on it are fantastic uh, worth the price of the, honestly worth the price of the blu-ray alone so check it out next up is and then the reason i'm talking about this is i just finished the stephen king book and so i wanted to hit on cujo and this is one that i'm going to probably bring up on uh on movie freaks as well because my co-host over there eric marner did not like cujo and i am on the other side of the fence i did like cujo i uh, enjoyed it quite a bit and the book, now that I've read the book, they jettison a lot of the stuff from the book. A lot of the, 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 the backstory on all the characters is pretty much cut out. And it's more streamlined to husband, wife, and kid. Wife's having an affair. Uh, husband goes on a business trip. Wife goes to take the car into the repair shop that has the Arabian-fested dog. And they get stuck there because no one's there, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, the mechanic, his wife and kid left for the week, and he gets killed by Cujo, and so it's they're stuck there. Uh, And that's the core of the Stephen King book, obviously, but there's a lot, 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 lot more going on in the Stephen King book versus the movie Um, that that made the dog attacks all the more powerful, I guess you could say. Uh, But still, it doesn't... It doesn't make this a bad movie, in my opinion. There are some plot holes, but in all honesty, uh, 
some of the plot holes are in the book as well. So that didn't really bother me that much. And that mainly means like, well, the woman could do this, 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 and this to get out of this situation. And she could have done the, the same things in the book as well. So I don't really blame that on uh, necessarily on the director. It's just uh, that's kind of how the, the book was, and that was kind of how the movie was as well. Um, so made in 1983, and um, it's interesting. Stephen King admitted several times that he was so into his alcohol addiction at the time that he doesn't remember writing the book, which is so odd to me because the book is so well-written and the ending is so stunning and just jaw-dropping. You're like, what? Oh, man. Didn't see that coming. Which, of course, the, uh, the movie has a completely different ending. Completely different. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and I'm not going to spoil it here. Read the book. It's great. The foam around Cujo's mouth was made of a concoction of egg whites and sugar. And the dogs caused problems on the set by constantly licking the tasty uh, concoction off their their mouth. I thought that was kind of funny. There was numerous dogs in uh, in uh, in this movie that they got to act. I guess you could say. So, uh, and and reading over all of the notes in the um, on the IMDb page, and there is a ton of of uh, of notes here. Five St. Bernards were used, one mechanical head and a guy in a dog costume were used. And I'll tell you what, that's one of the things about this movie that, that I'm impressed with is you do really get the sense that this dog is rabid and this dog is going to kill these people. And, uh, lots of times, you know, nowadays CGI is used for animals. Well, there was no CGI back then, but I couldn't tell. They all looked, all the dogs looked the same. Uh, I couldn't tell the mechanical head and I certainly couldn't tell a guy in a dog costume either. So that that was really cool. And another note was that they actually tied the dog's tails to their legs so it would they, the tails wouldn't be wagging, so it would look like they're more angry. And uh, anyway, I thought that was kind of funny. To make the St. Bernard's attack uh, the car, animal trainers put the dog's favorite toys inside the car so the dogs would try to get them. And again, you watch and it truly looks like like uh, um, the dog is wanting to kill these people. Now, Stephen King had stated that he felt that D. Wallace gave the best performance in this film of any film or TV adaption of his books, including Kathy Bates' Oscar-winning turn in Misery. And I will say, I do think that D. Wallace did a very good job, and I think this is where uh, Eric and I go south. I don't think he really liked D. Wallace's character. I want to say that for sure. Tune in to the next Movie Freaks because we're going to be talking about this movie on, on there. Uh, but I, I thought she did very well in the movie. As good as Kathy Bates? Eh, I don't think so. But uh, good nonetheless. Uh, there, there was uh, hints in the book. Well, there was certain parts in the book that were left out uh, of the movie that actually tie this movie in, or the book in with The Dead Zone, Stephen King's The Dead Zone. Uh, Frank Dodd, who was uh, a killer in The Dead Zone, uh, he was also in Castle Rock, and he is tied into this story as well. And uh, so, anyway, uh, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and then there's more information on that on IMDb if you want to read up on it. Uh, so, uh, anyway. Um, so, yeah, that was Cujo. I really liked it. I thought it was a good movie. Uh, check it out. It holds up relatively well for a uh, Stephen King movie, and it's one of those that... Even though it's it's kind of dated, 
it's not the most violent movie. It's not the most scary movie, but it's just a enjoyable 90-minute movie. So, uh, Okay, next up is From Beyond the Grave. And From Beyond the Grave is another one of those amicus movies. And I really, really, really like those amicus movies. Uh, The same company that did Tales from the Crypt, uh, Vault of Horror, um, Torture Garden, all these uh, anthology uh, movies. And they all came out around the same time, like late 60s, early 70s. And some of them are better than others. But I would say that this one here falls squarely in the middle with Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror being an asylum being the best of the bunch. This one here is kind of in the middle. Um, then there's a couple others that, that all of them have at least one short story that works. And they're all like have this nifty little wrap around of either a group of people going to purgatory or a group of people. Um, this one here actually features a different customers of an antique shop that all of them are kind of shady. And whenever they go in to buy something, they either try to rip off the, uh, the store manager who is Peter Cushing, the proprietor. Um, and then they get their comeuppance with their own little story of whatever they took or whatever they're, um, whatever they're getting from the, uh, the store, uh, plays a deadly role in, in their, their little short story. And it's really cool. Uh, so the antique shop is called, uh, temptations limited. And I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but some of the stories work better than other ones. Um, there's a really good one that starts it out with uh, David Warner, who I really like. He frees an evil entity from an antique mirror. Uh, I thought that was good. Uh, Act of Kindness has Donald Pleasance, and that was probably the best one. That one has a fantastic twist ending. I loved it. Um, the Elemental was also good about this uh, unseen little demon creature uh, propped on the shoulder of this guy. And uh, there's a medium that's trying to... No, hold some sort of a ghostbuster type thing in his house to try and get rid of it. That was cool. And then it ends with the door, which I thought was, eh, that was the weak one of the bunch. And I don't like it when these movies start with a bang and then they end with a whimper like that. I think that one should have been at least the, maybe the midway part, uh, just because it ends kind of with a whatever. Uh, so, and then the wraparound story is quite good. I really did enjoy the wraparound story. I thought it was, it was cool how they ended it and wrapped things up, and it just worked. It worked really well. I thought that, uh, and these movies are never overly gory or anything like that, uh, but they're just fun, and it's, you know, they don't make them like this anymore, that's for sure. They're, it, all of these feel a little bit like a play. So you got your setting in the antique shop, and then you've got, uh, you know, each person has their own thing in there. It's all usually set inside of a house, or something like that. So it doesn't, it's not, these aren't huge budget movies. Um, they're just, you know, they're good. Uh, so I'm planning on watching uh, the other ones again too. I've watched them all before and uh, I thoroughly enjoy them. They're fun movies. So another thumbs up. Uh, and then lastly, I want to just real quick hit on Backcountry. And here's another one that I'll probably want to talk about on uh, Movie Freaks, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this on this show, um, but I at least wanted to touch on it a little bit. And uh, this movie here is, let me just pull this up here, directed by Adam McDonald, and I think that 
Uh, I think that this guy could go places. Uh, he he did a, a couple short films. That's it. This is his first major directing gig. He also is an actor. Uh, but I'll tell you, not bad for a for a first feature director. Not bad at all. I was I was uh, fairly impressed. Uh, similar to that preservation movie, this one here has got an urban couple that go camping in the woods and find themselves lost in the territory of a predatory black bear. And along the way in there, there's uh, also uh, a creepy guy that shows up by a backpacker that is very intimidating. So you're wondering, is he going to make, uh, is he going to show up in this movie as well later on to, to do them harm? Because you can tell he's up to no good. So lush photography. It was shot very, very well, uh, incredibly well. If for being 90 minutes of people walking around the woods, I was a bit nervous that it was going to get dull like uh, preservation did. And it did a little bit, but the acting is good enough and the photography is very, very good to where I, I was on board. Uh, there was a really good a really good confrontation towards the end. And then uh, it, after, it was, it's weird because after a pretty good scene, a really good scene actually, the movie uh, keeps going, and, which is fine, but it wraps up in a kind of, I hate to say dud sort of way, but just kind of meh, okay. And I think that the reason being was it's probably how it would have ended in real life if this really would have happened. It would have gone this way instead of movie way. And so I can appreciate that. I gave the movie three and a half out of five stars. So it's, it is a good movie. I just, that ending, I'm not sure where I stand on that ending yet. Uh, just because it was kind of a, okay, we're done. And I didn't want that. I wanted, uh, a little bit more of an emotionally impactful ending. However, the scenes with the bear are great. Uh, the, the actors do a really good job of having to carry a lot of dialogue. Some of it gets a bit forced, especially in the mid, by the midway point, just because, it's a 90 minute movie and you got to have a lot of dialogue and there is a lot of dialogue. And so and that, that carries the movie, but great cinematography, uh, well-made. Is this a gem in the rough? I don't know about a gem in the rough, but it is for a recent horror movie. That's, uh, got the direct to streaming services uh, going on. I would say this one definitely gets a thumbs up. It's any more, um, I'm not sure what, maybe I'm getting older, but I'm just less and less impressed with new horror right now. Um, a lot of them are catering towards just the video on demand type thing instead of the theatrical releases. And if it is theatrical, it's generally PG 13 rated, whatever, uh, stuff that I simply don't like anymore. Um, and then movies like Eli Roth's green Inferno was shelved and it's like, Finally, a hard R-rated movie coming out, and now it's shelved. Great. Um, so even Rob Zombie's movies anymore are are relegated to Blu-ray, DVD, whatever, instead of theatrical releases, and it's just that's unfortunate. Uh, but that's why I think anymore I'm more and more into uh, the older discovering older movies, especially with all these niche boutique Blu-ray labels releasing these cool old movies. 
I would much rather spend some money on a Blu-ray release than pay top dollar to go watch a mediocre horror movie in the theater. So uh, it will be interesting to see how much, how often I make it to the theater this summer for the big summer movies. Because every year I usually uh, watch almost all of them. But this year, we'll see. I I don't know. I'm getting old, folks, and that's okay. <laughs> I still love movies. Uh, that's going to do it for my show today. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, some of these are definitely worthy of checking out. Some of them probably should steer clear of, but that catches the cinema soft underbelly world up with what Eugene has been watching. So thanks for listening. Please make sure to tune in to Movie Freaks on iTunes. That's myself and Eric Marner uh, talking about pretty much anything under the sun related to movies. So stay tuned for another fun-filled episode coming your way soon. And also our friends over at Cinema Sidekicks. Uh, Keep it on bringing the newer release stuff. In fact, I really like that they're talking about a lot of those movies so I can listen to their show and be like, oh, okay, I don't need to watch that one. Or, okay, maybe I'll go see that one. Or I'll watch that, but not until it's on Netflix or Blu-ray or whatever. So uh, big thumbs up to to those guys. So that's going to do it for my show today. I'm Eugene Weaver, and again, thanks for listening.